We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good morning, Grinders, with the double video and the sound and whatever. I don't know. Oh, hold on, hold on. Okay, no, that's just me. That's just me. I thought it was StreamYard. I, I, I the YouTube tab open. Typically, I don't. Okay, that's the reason. Okay, that, that, that was weird. That was weird for a second. But good morning, good morning, Grinders. Right, screw up. I, I rarely do that. I rarely leave the YouTube tab open just to get the chat out. I have to say what hi to Watas. What is right? Good morning. Early birds in the chat. Give me those thummy thumbs. Good morning, grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Tuesday, August 15th. Get your NFL questions in. People have been asking about. When I'm going to do the NFL primer type of stuff, that will be starting next week. Okay, James will not be here on Monday because he's coming back from the MLB Live Final, but I will be starting uh, next week 
uh, throw up until the, the start of the uh, the NFL season. Uh, Thursday and Friday this week, there there's going to be no show, and there's also going to be no show at the the end of uh, August, beginning of September. But we'll be talking about uh, you know transitioning the play over to NFL, to going you know just getting a refresher of uh, how how we approach NFL DFS. It's not all that much different than any other sport, right? It's still it's still the game is still projection versus ownership. Pretty much, but the uh, correlations are a little bit different. The constructions could be a little bit different. The player distributions are a little bit different. It's not like baseball; it's that it's not nearly as correlative as baseball. It's not nearly as there's there's, there's less direct leverage, right? And then uh, the uh, the strategies and the constructions you employ for small field versus large field could be drastically different in, in comparison to to MLB. But we'll be talking about that starting next week so get get in your uh get in your uh get in i'm going through all this get in uh, your questions questions at theoryofdfs.com questions at theoryofdfs.com send them in right you see my uh you know i do i, I do streams now on my uh on my own channel uh so uh for betting stuff or whatever also i will the new theory of dfs podcast episode will be coming out today at uh, noon about an hour or so uh, and I had a conversation with uh, Peter Jennings, right? OG, OG, CSU rant. So uh, check that out. We talk about transitioning, trans- relating your skills in DFS to sports betting and prop betting. And we talk we talk uh, heavily about the, the three M's, the three M's, which are medians, market, and money. And those are the three M's that are probably the three most important concepts when it comes to prop betting. Especially if you're coming from DFS, right? If you're already a successful DFS player, to some extent, they are wildly profitable, but you are profitable. So you, you're used to using projections. You sign up for Roto-Grinders. You get, you get all of our projections, all of our ownership. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month if you don't already get that. But how to transition that skill. You already think probabilistically. You understand. You understand those concepts. You understand what a player's distribution looks like. You kind of understand these statistical concepts, and now you're switching over to prop betting, and uh, you're not playing against really. You're not. You're not technically playing against other people, right? It's not a peer-to-peer type of game, right? So it's like ownership. A lot of this. A lot of this. It's a lot more simple. It's a lot simpler. Harder to make a lot of money though. But that's primarily because of scale. But one of the things that we talked about on that episode, when it comes to the the market, right? The the me, out of the three M's, the the median one is is much more mathematical, because DFS projections are are means, right? And you may have DFS projections. Okay, well, I'm going to project out, you know, how many strikeouts? Who's on the slate today? Dakota Hudson. We'll get. Right. And you'll see you'll see these numbers like fantasy points, right? We see fantasy points. Oh, Nick Pavetta, 16.48. Well, that's a mean. That's not the median. Now, in a normal distribution, they're close to each other. They're they're, they're I mean, in a normal distribution, they're equal. But the more normally distributed they they are, the closer they are. But the less normally distributed they are, they they don't have to be all that close to each other. So understanding that difference, so you're not blindly going. Into into your prop betting, 
you know, taking means. And uh, if you, if you did, if you do that for MLB, I guarantee you'd be betting a lot of over overs on, on hitters. You're going to, you're going to be doing tons of uh, over total bases over, over fantasy points. If you're on underdog or prize picks, you're going to be doing that. It's like, Oh, Aaron judge has a, has a 13.2 me, a mean fantasy point projection. And his line is at nine. I'm going to do the over. Quite possibly that's 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 not plus EV. His median may only be like 9.2, 8.8 median wise, because he has a lot of 40 point games. That mean gets skewed a lot. So understanding that, that's more of a mathematical concept. And then you have the, the money side. The money side, a lot of that has to do with scale. A lot of people still play DFS compare and put more DFS volume down to prop betting because it's hard to get the money down, right? It's 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 much easier to scale your DFS play when the platforms that you're playing on, they make money regardless if you win or lose, right? You're playing against other people. DraftKings is going to take their 10, 15% or whatever, right? And then distribute redistribute the money again. So if you want to play $50,000, you want to play every contest in the lobby, you can. Do you have an edge in all those contests? That's a different story. But if you do, you're like, I'm going to play as much as I want. I could scale, like, I could start with a $5,000 bankroll, and then five years later, I have a million-dollar bankroll, and now I'm playing $10,000 a slave, whatever. You can do that in DFS. No, no, no one will stop you other than, you know, the, the game's drying up, I guess. You're not getting as much action. You know, contest sizes go down or something, especially if you're in niche sports. But in prop betting, I mean, you're, 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 you're competing against the market. Right, you're not competing against the sports book, but the sports book doesn't doesn't take balanced action. So at the end of the day, you still are in turn competing against the sports book in some regard. And uh, the sports book's job is to put up good lines that that you know that that they with the vig with the hold that's there, especially in prop markets that you know around eight percent holds. Uh that they're going to make money regardless of, of, of what you do. Now, if you're constantly picking off stale lines, if you're picking off bad lines, because they have to provide a menu, they have to play a lot of defense, right? You, you offensively, you could just pinpoint. I want this. I want that. I want this Sportsbook, They have to put up everything. Okay. So what, what do a lot of them do? If you start beating them for, for, for too often, too much, you get too much value. Then now you're down to you're $10 a bet. $20 a bet, $6 a bet, $4.72 a bet, right? Doesn't scale very well, right? So there's there's an art. There's an art in getting the money down, right? Spreading out your accounts, mixing in your play, stuff like that. Much, hard, much harder to make a lot of money in prop betting, specifically just in prop betting than in DFS. Now, it's easier to make less amount of money. Right. If, if if your goal is to I have a five thousand dollar bankroll and at the end of the year have a fifteen, twenty thousand dollar bankroll, right? Make ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars. I think that's absolutely doable. Absolutely doable. But scaling that up and making a quarter million, half a million, nah. Not on your own accounts, not in just yourself. Probably not. That's the money end of the spectrum. The middle one is the market. 
Now, DFS markets and sports betting markets are are not the same. Okay, they're they're not they're not the same, and a lot of DFS players treat the pricing of sports mark betting markets similarly to how they treat salaries in DFS. So, what am I talking about? So, DraftKings, some a site like DraftKings, FanDuel, whatever. You know, they put up, you know, they put up their pricing, right? They put up, uh, you know, if you take a look at pitchers today, Zach Wheeler, 11.6, Jordan Montgomery, 11K, Giolito, 10.7, right? And these numbers will not change. So, like, playing, you know, Nick Pavetta at 7,800 with a mean of 16.48, like, that looks like, that looks like pretty good value. Like if I want to play Nick Pavetta at seventy eight hundred today, like I I can at seven oh five p.m. Eastern. If a lot of other people want to play uh, Nick Pavetta at seven point eight k, they can also, and that's what the the concept of ownership is. But as more people play them, it's not like his price goes up, right? His price will not move. The market is static, right? The only market dynamic that you care about in DFS is ownership. That dynamic does not exist in sports betting. Ownership is technically, if if everyone was rational actors and there was enough liquidity, ownership in sports betting would always be near efficient, if not perfectly efficient. Because the price, the salary will move to wherever, wherever the market is going. Okay. So as more people play Nick Pavetta, it's like, well, this guy is 7,800, but he really should be priced at 9,200. Like by 7.05 PM, like he'd be 9,200. In order to play him, you'd have to pay 9,200. The people early in the day only get to, uh, had to pay 7,800. Of course, in DFS, you can't make a game like that. Right? You can't make, oh, if I submit my lineup at 11 in the morning, like I get more salary because of the, the way the salaries move. Versus at 7.05. Like, the, 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 the game would be too complex and people would be too confused over it. But in sports betting, in prop betting, that, that is what happens. Okay? So, people people think of value in, in, in prop betting way too rigidly. That the market is dynamic. And when it comes to it being dynamic and not static, right? That means that there's going to be what's called market resistance. And that's one thing that DFS players are not accustomed to. We're accustomed to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to use the bat projections, right? I'm going to look and I'm going to see, I'm like, okay, it looks like Nick Pavetta looks like Dakota Hudson. If he pitches 104 pitches underpriced and whatever, it's like, I could, I could build my, my, uh, my, my expensive stacks. If I want to play, you know, Who's the highest projecting pitch? Jordan Montgomery is the highest projected pitcher. Good luck to you today. Oh, okay. It's one of those slates, right? You take a look at this. It's like these numbers are pretty much going to be static other than ownership. Obviously, as pitch counts change, as umpire assignments, as weather, you know, projections will change a little bit. But for the most part, you're what you're looking at is what everyone else is looking at. And the ownership is going to reflect that. So if you take a look and you say, Nick Bavetta, oh, he's 24% owned because... He's 7,800, 16.48. Now, in, in, the, in the prop market, like, because it's dynamic, 
the numbers will move. So if you let's say let's say there was a fan let's say there was a fantasy point DraftKings fantasy point whatever prop at even money right we'll make it easy right and the right here the mean is sixteen point four eight and let's say let's say yeah yeah it was it was the line was at ten and a half and you'd be like oh that's easy over like my projections say that you know is his mean is 16.48. The median is probably somewhere around 14, right? Somewhere around there. And the line's at 10 and a half. So you're like, oh, over, easy, easy over. You put a hundred bucks down, you plunk it down. You click the button, over fantasy points, 12. You do that now. You do get 11 in the morning, whatever. If five hours later, the line is still at 10.5, and your projections are still at 16.48. In DFS, in DFS, you don't think of this. In DFS, you just, you compare this to ownership and you go along with your, your day. But in, because the sports betting market is dynamic, meaning that the prices will move, the numbers will move. If that number is still being hung six hours later, it's actually more likely that you're wrong. It seems weird to say. It seems weird to say, well, by my projections or whatever. And a lot of people that get into prop betting, you know, they're looking at lines that have been hung up for a long time. And then, you know, at six o'clock. It's an hour before a slate time. And that's when they're looking at prop bets. And, and if, if there's no new information injected into the market, like the numbers you're seeing have been up there for a long time. And the fact that, it hasn't moved. That means not enough like liquidity has come in on the over, right? Ten and a half. Like why why hasn't it moved to twelve and a half? Why hasn't it moved to thirteen and a half? Right? Why is why isn't anything moved? It means more and more likely that that you're unless you have some oracle, unless you have the special oracle, it's more likely that you're more off than the market is. But that exists kind of in in DFS also. So let's say for in, let's say for instance Nick Pavetta. We're using the Nick Pavetta example because I have it on the screen. Let's say instead of twenty four percent owned, he's projected to be two percent owned. Let's just say. And you see him, and it's like, wow, seventy eight hundred dollar value at pitcher, and he's only going to be two percent owned. Like if if we if we if we move this to two percent owned, and then I just did did a you know portfolio trimming built 300 lineups, you know, I'd be getting like, compared to ownership, I'd be getting like, like a hundred percent Pavetta, a 2% on pitcher with this, with this mean projection. What's the problem there? Right. If, if, if you, if you, in DFS, this happens, this happens also. If you create thousands of lineups, let's say, and you trim down based on projection versus ownership, even in a blunt way, and you're left with, 88% of this guy that is low owned. I'm not talking about a chalky guys necessarily. I'm talking about more of the low, like the guys three, a batter, a single batter at like 2.8% owned and you have 80% of them. That's the same dynamic of either my projection is, is off because why is he only 2% owned? I'm getting all of this guy and he's he's only 2% owned or he's going to be more owned than 
He's not going to be 2% owned. Because it's unlikely that you, unless you're you're originating from scratch, like people are looking at the same shit. And even if you are originating from scratch, how come no one else has identified this? Why is this guy that projects for a million points only 2% owned? And the same thing happens in the reverse. You, you see that there's someone that, that projects for pretty poorly, very poorly, and they're going to be mega owned. Right? It's like, oh, this guy, this pitcher, this running back, projected to be like 28% owned on a 12-game NFL slate, and he projects for like seven points for like 6,800. You know what's more likely? Either your ownership is off, He's, he's only going to be 2% owned or your projection has to, it has to be off. I could so many other people see this one thing and you don't. And it's unlikely. It's unlikely that everyone else is an idiot. One of the big, one of the biggest faults that you could make as a sports better prop better, even a DFS player is assuming that you're that, that you're the smartest in the room and then everyone else is an idiot. Now, there are plenty of idiots. Let, let me, obviously, there are plenty of idiots. But they don't make up that, that much of the field, the complete idiots. 20%, let's say. So there's still 80% of people in your contest that are not idiots. So if some high projected guy is only 1% owned, something's up. Some really low projected guy is 50% owned, something's up. And you shouldn't be rushing in going, well, now, now it's time to shovel money in. Time for me to, to triple my volume. This running back's only going to be 2% only. He projects for 37 points. Because people treat it like it's static. And they go, okay, these numbers, the numbers are the numbers. Nothing can be wrong. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, 
thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Yeah, Daniel Hutchins mentions that Rainmakers is the market-based DFS. Yeah, that the prices change because you have to buy the cards. But when you get into when you get into prop betting, like time matters. DFS time doesn't matter for the most part. Because nothing the salaries aren't going to change. Obviously, NBA late swap. Yes. Inf- I'm not talking about information arbitrage. I'm talking about just straight. Like the efficiency of not of the salaries, like nothing will change, but in prop betting it will. So, for instance, like I consider there to be two points of the day, like in baseball, there are essentially two part parts parts of the day when it comes to doing props in baseball. There's early and late. Okay, more more times than not, early early the early bird gets the worm. So early. You, you're looking for the projection advantage. Okay? So you get up 6 in the morning. You load up your projections or the plate IQ projections here at Roto-Grinders or the bat projections from Derek Cardi or wherever. You aggregate your projections, whatever it is. And you're looking at 6 in the morning, 8 in the morning, early. Now, these are these are things that, like, it's not like other people are not seeing also. Your goal is to get the number before it moves, right? Assuming that you don't, you know, it, assuming that, uh, oh, well, I, I have this guy for, like, nine and a half strikeouts as a median, and the number is four. Like, you're, dude, you're off. Don't, oh, I got an edge of seven million percent. I'm going to load unload, like, 80% of my bankroll on it. Like, no, no, there has to be something wrong at that point. It's more likely, it's more likely something's wrong. But if you find profitable edges early, you're going to be doing it on a projection advantage. Late, you're going to be doing it on an information advantage. Okay, so if you're, if you didn't get, if the early bird didn't get the worm, if you're sitting there at two in the afternoon on an MLB, on a Tuesday MLB, Right, we have game. We have games tonight. Right, that started seven oh five, six forty, whatever. Right, all the prop numbers have started to already been hit. Right, overnight, three in the morning, six in the morning, eight in the morning. Numbers are moving. Prices are moving. Now, has any when you get to two o'clock in the afternoon? Is there any new information that would make those numbers less efficient? Probably not. By two in the afternoon, what's available? And if you see something as a humongous edge at two in the afternoon, it's more and more likely that the edge is 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 a facade, is a, is a, a you know an oasis. It's a 
mirage, right? It's a mirage. That's what I that's what I was going for. No matter what your number says, that's more likely that that there's nothing there. Now come four or five o'clock. Now we get starting lineups for the for the, the baseball lineups. Okay. And your goal at that point is to is there any new information that is not reflected in the market currently? So you'll take a look. Oh, the White Sox put out their starting lineup. Is it the lineup that you're that people have already projected it to be? If it is, then the market shouldn't move. It shouldn't mean anything. Right? I mean, this could be weather changes, it could be umpire assignments, it could be anything like that. In football, it would be, you know, a player's questionable. NBA. Players questionable. Are they playing or are they not playing? That'll dramatically change markets. And MLB, starting lineup changes. Oh. Oh, Luis Roberts not in the lineup. I don't know if anyone expected that. So how does that change everyone's projection now? Because new information. Oh, there's now. Oh, there's new information. Now, now, now the projections can change. Now the market could be less efficient. So you're taking advantage of information arbitrage rather than projection arbitrage early. Now, a lot of times by, you know, four, five, six o'clock, there's nothing. Starting lineups are as expected or the changes in starting lineups are not dramatic enough. Oh, this oh, this catcher's in instead of that catcher batting eight. Their strikeout rates are about the same. Like, not, like it doesn't change that much. But one of the things that, you know, when I go on shows, when I talk to people and they chat with me and it's, you know, an hour before slate time or something, they go, you know, like, what what props are you looking at? It's like they're gone. There's nothing unless they, unless they, unless something is, is, is information has changed. Like, you're not going to find anything that's worth, that's worth taking, taking a, a shot on. And that's even if you look at projections. Okay. Now, sometimes. Sometimes the prop markets aren't are are not that efficient, but they're definitely more efficient than just like your single source of projections. So that's why, like, it it seems counterintuitive because you wouldn't say this in DFS of like as the like if if imagine in DFS you you, you watch you, you listen you listen to the morning grind you listen to Stevie, right? They record that show the night before. You listen to Stevie and they got Dick Pavetta. I'm just. Pulling it, pulling a name out. Great value, seventy eight hundred. Great value. Then you, then you read, you read cheeses, million dollar musings. Big, big Pavetta, great value, right? And then you, you read the grind down. You, you, you watch Grinders Live. Bobby Gobes is on. Nick Pavetta, great value. The crunch time cheese is on, and Cardi is on. It's like, ah, oh, Nick Pavetta is going to be a, a popular play. You know, he's uh, underpriced at seventy eight hundred. Like. Like his price, his price isn't going to change. Now his ownership may change. His ownership may go up based on that information. But like his projection is not going to change. Like nothing, nothing, nothing in the market is going to change other than than his ownership. You have to worry that it, well. Now you have to pay ten k for it. So the time doesn't matter. Like how when analysis happens. But if it if if you're there, at, if it's at six o'clock at night Eastern, and you're looking at, at props. For pitchers, and you see a number that compared to your projections is off by a dramatic amount. 
it's more likely than not that you're off. In DFS, you would be like, oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play him in 80% of my lineups, you know, like that type of, that type of stuff. One of the it's one market resistance is one of the things that I see DFS players struggle with. I'm talking about successful ones struggle with a lot because they're very reliant on their statistical models, which for DFS is great. But when it comes to props, like the longer a line, like dude, I I all the time. I'm on underdog. I'm on prize picks, and I hit numbers early. Eight in the morning, nine in the morning. And then I'll do this show. I'll do, and it'll be noon. It's three, four hours later, and the number's still there. My first reaction isn't like, oh, great, more opportunities to make more, more slips, more cards, do more projections, whatever, on prize picks and underdog. No, I get concerned. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold back. If I find anything new, maybe I'm, I'm going to start start lowering, lowering, you know. If I add any more cards, they're going to be even lower monetarily. Typically, that's 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 how I how I stake across underdog and prize picks. I start high and go low as the day goes on. Right? As the day goes on, as long as there's no new information. This guy's out, this guy's in, you know, stuff like that that could make the market wildly inefficient. So maybe I start early, early and early and, you know, eight in the morning. If I see it's like, oh, this strikeout prop is off. Oh, this, this total base prop is off. This, I'm talking about underdog and prize picks. So I need to put together three to five, you know, something like that. So maybe, maybe the, the five that I put in on prize picks, you know, if I, if I normally, if I normally do, you know, 30 bucks, maybe the first card I put in 60. Then the second card I put in 30. Then the third card I put in 15. Like at as the if the numbers don't move, I don't want to be shot. I don't want to be going the opposite direction. A lot of people do that. They go the oh look, the number's still up there. Or even worse, the number moves against you. All right? Let's say, let's say uh, you know, you have a fan the fantasy point prop on prize picks is is 22 and a half. Right, and you have it projected for 29. You're like, okay, I'm putting this in prize picks. I'm doing the over. Right, 22 and a half, over. 22 and a half, over. You put in some cards. Right, some squares, whatever they call them. Then three hours later, you see the numbers at 21 and a half. Okay, well, they moved it lower. But you still, your projections, you still have it at 29. You go, great! I'm getting an extra extra point cushion. If over 22 and a half was good, over 21 and a half is even better. I'm going to double down. I'm telling you in the long run, probably not a good idea. The market is telling you that more action, more liquidity or whatever for some reason, sharp sharp actions. This le- this happens less often in props than it does in spreads and totals. Right, sides, totals, spreads, every you know, every, everything like that. The prop markets aren't are, aren't as liquid at all. But if you see the number moving in the opposite direction, that should be your your first reaction should be halt everything. Uh oh, I I you know the 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 Arrested Development 
meme, right? I think I made a big mistake. That's more, it's more likely that. It doesn't matter all the time, but it's more likely that. So that concept of market resistance. Now, if the number moves in your favor, that's a sign that that you did good. Right? If you did over 29 and you and and at, at eight in the morning, you know, over 22 and a half, and you haven't projected for 29 fantasy points. Four hours later, it's now up to 24 and a half. And then by six o'clock, it's up to 26 and a half. And you got it at 22 and a half. Even if you lose, you pat yourself on the back. If you do that, you do that. If you, it's called closing line value. If you, if you could, if you could beat the close consistently like that, that you will be profitable. That is a proven profitable method. So when you see when you see it move in your direction, that means you 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 probably the market has agreed with you. Other people have found it. You just found it first. You found it early before it moved. So if it moves in your favor, it's like okay, I I got I you probably long run got it in good. If it moves against you, you probably got it in bad. But a lot of people do do the opposite. A lot of people do the opposite. When the move when the move is against you, they double down. They go, well, then my this number is even better. I'm going to get even more value. And then when it moves and when it moves against you, they stop. Right. So let's say, depending depending on on your projection, let's say, let's say you have that fantasy point projection at 29, 30. Let let's let's make it a more extreme example. 35. Of course, the more extreme you get, the more likely that it, it, something's wrong. But let's say that number moved from 22 and a half to 23 and a half. It's like, well, I got it at 22 and a half. Does that mean that you that you don't, you, on prize picks, you wouldn't make a card that has over 23 and a half? A lot of people go, well, I already got the 22 and a half, so I don't want to, this is a worse number. Yeah, but it's also a worse number that could still have value. Right, you have it projected for 29. That's that there's less value than 22 and a half, but 23 and a half is still fine. That's it's fine. It's fine to put put that projection onto more cards. If obviously, obviously, if it gets to 26 and a half, then there's no more value anymore. But people tend to do the opposite. Oh, I already got it in at that price. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna build all these other cards, and it turns out at the end of the day. You look at seven o'clock and you go, oh yeah, I put in 10 cards on prize picks. And it's like, how much total money do you have on that prop? And it turns out it's like, well, I got $30 on this and $30. This. So 60 of my dollars are on that over 22 and a half. It's like, yeah, but you 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 have $300 worth of action because you, you didn't take it at 23 and a half either. Or you didn't scale it. You didn't stake it in a way where more of your money is early and less of your money is late. So that so that's that's the concept that I ascribe to. And sometimes it burns you. Right? Sometimes you get in early and it turns out that the market resists against you and you know, bail me out market, right? Right? Bail bail me out like nothing moves and I'm like more more times than not I get market agreement. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be scared of the ten percent of the time that that I get resistance, right? I get in. I'd rather I'd rather get in early bad 
once in a while than miss like five times the amount of numbers early. So don't don't be don't be you know beating yourself up if you, you take something and it moves against you. That's so much different than DFS, right? Because even ownership doesn't move that that dramatically, right? It's not like the type of thing. It's like, oh, Mick Pavetta is projected for 12% owned early. Then by by lock, he's 67% owned. Like you, 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 you don't see those types of moves. Although, yes, it, that's why the, the ownership gains steam. You'll see that in NFL over the course of a week, right? Wednesday, Thursday, it's like, oh, this guy's going to be owned. That guy's going to be owned. Sometimes... But by Sunday, because of this thing happening and that thing happening, the guy that everyone thought was going to be 22% owned is 8% owned. And then some shiny new toy. Someone's out, and on Friday, everyone, oh, we got to play this guy at 3,200. Two days ago, he was no one even knew him. 1% owned. Now he ends up being 26% owned on Sunday. That's how the market dynamics in DFS work. But it's unrelated to the price. It's unrelated to anything else. And you don't have to get in early. Nothing's gonna ch- nothing nothing's gonna change. The pricing ain't, ain't gonna change. That's one. That's a, that's a very big thing to get you to understand the market dynamics of props on every platform. I mean, underdog and price books are different than the the actual sportsbook prop markets. They're much different. So playing on underdog price picks wherever sleeper, fliff is there fliff vivid. Am I naming them all? Jock market? Some aren't even available to me here in Kentucky. But whatever whatever site like that. Much different than the actual. Once you've been on sports with props, that I mean, obviously you don't you're not forced into these little parlays and everything like that. It makes it so much simpler. Right? And the variance goes down a bit. But yeah, so I, I just wanted to highlight that for today's show. Tomorrow. We got it. We got an early slate. No grinders live tomorrow early, but I'll 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 build some. We'll we'll go through some build lineup builds for for the what is like a two the four game four game early tomorrow in MLB. And then Thursday and Friday there'll there'll be no show. Uh, I'm 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 away, I'm away uh, for for this weekend, and uh, and the next week we'll we'll start talking about NFL. Right, I'm assuming people want me to talk about NFL primer. Right, I don't know how much priming there needs to be, but I will be starting to talk about it. So submit your questions. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. If you want me to talk about it, I will answer anything, especially NFL, NFL DFS. Hit those thummy thumb buttons. Give me the thummy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs. You know how much I like the thummy thumbs in the morning. Uh, hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when you go live. And obviously, if you want all these projections, you could use our projections here at Roto-Grinders to do prop betting. We we have statistical projections here. The plate IQ, look, literally plate IQ projections. It will give you all of the means of everything, all of this. And you could use that. Even if you're on prize picks, you could use our extension, which is in the Chrome store, the Roto-Grinders prize picks and underdog extension in Chrome. It will overlay the plate IQ statistical projections over over the squares or next to it on underdog, right? On underdog, it'll throw it next to it. So you may not, you don't even have to reference. You could just go through and you go, what numbers are, what numbers are off? What numbers could I take based on the projections here? But of course you have to be a premium member. So subscribe, 
Click that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And if you want to learn more about, uh, you know, some of these statistical concepts, obviously, theory of daily fantasy sports, how to think like a professional DFS player, 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. Get your questions in. Questions at theoryofdfs.com because that's what I do here. You have questions, I have answers. Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS free game show on rotogrinders.com.